This is CX of M Radio, the voice of customer experience professionals. Welcome to another episode of Press One for Nick. Your host, Nick Limsdahl, is the Director of Contact Center Solutions at VDS. Through conversations with customer service and customer experience leaders, Nick and his guests exchange insightful stories, best practices, and invaluable lessons they have learned along the way. Welcome to the Press One for Nick podcast. My name is Nick Limsdahl. My guest this week is Jamie Lutz. He is the author of the new book, Pathway to Purpose. He's also a national speaker focusing on customer experience and organizational culture. Jamie, welcome to the Press One for Nick podcast. Nick, I am delighted to be here today. I've been uh, looking forward to this for some time. I look forward to getting started. So the first question I ask every single guest, Jamie, is what's one thing people might not know about you? Well, if you knew me real well, you would know this, but most people are not going to have any idea the uh, the level of North Carolina Tar Heel basketball fan that I am. So I grew up in North Carolina. Um, Full transparency here. Here's something else most people would not know. Uh, North Carolina uh, is the only school that I applied for. So if I wouldn't have gotten in, I don't know, I may not have even gone to college. Um, and the main reason I went to Carolina is because I'm passionate about uh, Carolina basketball. So um, it's in my blood. I like to say that my blood is Carolina blue. So you bleed Carolina blue. Uh, what do you what do you think about the new the new hire with the transition of the head coach? You know, it's funny, Nick, uh, Hubert Davis, I actually went to school with him because we're about the same age and, um, you know, played some pickup basketball with him. And I could not think of a better a better guy to take over for Roy. I think he's uh, he's he's exactly as shot in the shot in the arm that we've needed. So I can't wait. Nice. It, if you get to see him again, you just let him know that I'm I'm available for hire. Um, even if it's the mascot, I'm ready to go. Hey, you and me both, man. You and me both. <laughs> so you wrote this book, Pathway to Purpose, Big Ideas for Fueling Irresistible Corporate Culture. What made you start this book? You know, my career in many ways, uh, I actually started my career in pro sports. So after I went to Carolina, I didn't get the basketball out of my blood and I wasn't good enough to play. So I actually got a, an unpaid internship with the Orlando Magic years ago. Uh, and that kind of evolved, Nick, into a full-time gig uh, in customer service and, uh, you know, fan night experience, that type of thing. And, you know, I didn't make hardly any money back then, but I realized I am like living in my purpose. This is what I love. Um, and so for the first time, I was like, you can actually make a living, but you can also make a difference um, and you can do something you love. So that was kind of the offspring of, of me writing the book. And then I've worked with other companies, been blessed, like Ritz Carlton, that are known for service, uh, Home Bank Mortgage and, and a number of others. And I just I just felt like, you know what, I've been blessed to learn a lot about culture and a lot about service, and I, I got to get this out of me. So that that kind of led me to write the book. Yeah, well, it, it has definitely gotten you got this uh, the the words out of you. And the one one thing that I really enjoy was noble purpose. Mm. So tell me more about what noble purpose means to you. 
Yeah, and I got to give credit where credit's due. Um, one of my really good friends, Lisa McLeod, wrote a book called um, uh, Leading with Noble Purpose. And so she kind of coined the phrase, but noble purpose is really about uh, finding something that you love to do that is more than a job. It's a calling. It's, a, it's kind of a legacy builder. Um, and, and I believe that work is noble, um, that we were designed to work. And you know, a lot of people think that work is, is this horrible thing, but you know, I think we were created we, and we actually find fulfillment and joy in our work if you know, we find something that jives with our passion and what we're really, really good at and what people will pay us to do. Um, so that's noble purpose to me is uh, seeing the difference that you're making uh, in, in many cases, a customer's life as a result of the work that you do. That, that to me is living a noble, noble purpose. Yeah. So let's talk about the customer's benefit of that. Cause is there a benefit if a company implements noble purpose to the consumer? Is there a benefit to the consumer when the company implements noble purpose? Yeah, and I, I actually think if it's not done uh, in uh, light of the customer or for the customer, then it's truly not a noble purpose. So in other words, you know, a, a customer, uh, any of us don't purchase anything or uh, use a product or service unless we think it's somehow going to improve our lives. And so uh, you're really living in your noble purpose if they find value in it. Um, and so if you're, if you're in game, if you're in purpose is not directly tied back to that end consumer, then you're really not, um, you're not living a, a purpose uh, that maximizes who you could be as an organization. So I think it, it has to tie back to the customer. Okay, and then from the organization, you know, Simon Sinek always says to start with the why. Nah. Is it important for organizations to also start with the why before they get into the noble purpose? Absolutely. And I, and I think the why and the noble purpose can be synonymous. I think they're one and the same. Um, so my, and I think it's important for us to have individual purposes. My individual purpose is to inspire others to become a better version of themselves. And I completely agree with Sinek. I'm a huge Sinek fan that uh, organizations need to identify what their why is. And again, to me, that's your purpose. You know, why do you exist? And why should the world care if you weren't around? Or, you know, would they care if you're not around? And so why should they care if you are uh, living out your purpose? Well, hopefully they find value in it. So um, the why, it's important to have vision, mission, core values. I mean, all of those things are extremely important, but nothing in my mind surpasses your purpose, which again, should always link back to what it is you're doing on behalf of your customers. I love it. Yeah, I think the listeners should know by now, but my purpose is to have fun serving others. Mm. And if you're not enjoying what you're doing, and if you're not adding value to others, then you should maybe do something else, regardless right. of what that is in every industry or any job or any role, or even personally, if you're not enjoying what you're doing and you're not helping other people along the way and pulling them up or adding value, uh, I think there's, there's a lot, a lot can be lost in that. And I think the same is true with 
looking up to to leaders. Uh, we mentioned Chip Bell off the when we were talking prior, and it's somebody else who you you and and I kind of both look up to is as a mentor and and kind of look at what he's up to and what he's accomplished and and how he lives his life in in the most authentic way. I think that's a great example is he understands his why. Absolutely. And and can you imagine someday when he is, you know, old and at the end stages of his life, he's going to be able to look back and say, you know what? I live my purpose. Um, I, I made an impact on thousands of people. Who knows? Maybe with Chip, it's even millions. But um, what a what a uh, an amazing guy he is. One of my favorite people. Yes, he is. So switching subjects a little bit, what does service mean to Jamie? Service makes me think, Nick, of having a servant heart. Um, and I may go in a little bit different direction near thinking, but you know, I can, I can, as a leader, I can hire technically sound people. I can teach them to Ritz Carlton to to check somebody in or to, to run the, you know, the computer system, but, but I can't teach you to have the heart of a servant. And, and to me, that's what service is all about is doing, doing something on behalf of others, not because you have to, but because it's in your DNA, you, you want to, you want to make a difference. Um, and, and those are the type of people that I want to work with. Yeah, I want them to be smart and I want them to be good at what they are, but most people are if they've gotten the job to start with. It's those that that see the larger picture um, and, and have a desire to serve others and, and again, to make a difference. Yeah, so you just touched on one of my favorite companies, the Ritz-Carlton. Uh, you had the opportunity to to spend some time there as a, as a professional and they obviously have world-class talent and they they hire based off of that dna what you mm -hmm. what you talked about so what does world-class service look like specifically at the ritz carlton maybe you can share not necessarily some insider secret but maybe there's some stories along the way that you can share with my listeners wow and we could unwrap and i could talk for hours about that um i had two stints with the ritz um both in a quality customer experience type of role and um, it, it shaped my, my uh, outlook on what service is. Um, you know, if I were to call it down to what does it look like at Ritz, I think a lot of it's about empowerment, you know, and, and most you and I'm sure our listeners have heard, you know, that at Ritz-Carlton for every customer challenge or issue, you are empowered up to $2,000 to make it right not $2,000 in a year or a month or a week or a day, but whenever there's a problem. Um, but with that empowerment comes account accountability too, um, that you are, you're going to, you know, to, to make it right based upon the severity of the issue. Um, and so there's a certain sense of, uh, of empowerment and, and, and care and concern and wanting to make sure that what happened, the way that you recover them is matched from a financial perspective. Um, and it's interesting, a lot of people have said to me in the past, well, you must be giving away the farm. I mean, $2,000, but uh, people take that very, very seriously. And it's rare that you would ever see a situation like that happen. But I mean, I could give you tons of stories 
Um, you know, one that comes to mind, which, uh, you know, you may have heard of is, and it's, it's legendary at Ritz-Carlton, is the story of the, the wife and her two children uh, that went to the Ritz-Carlton at Amelia Island, uh, had a great weekend. The husband was working, wasn't able to get there. And so they all meet back at the house at their home afterwards. And the kids are unpacking. And one of the boys says, where's Joshy? And of course, Joshy is the stuffed giraffe that the little boy had. And it becomes clear that Joshy did not make it home from the Ritz. And so the father and the mother are like, oh my gosh, you know, this is, it's like a, a blanket or a security. I mean, it, mm -hmm. how are we going to, how's he going to get along without it? So they get the boy to bed. They say to him, you know, look, I'm sure Josh, he, he just wanted to take a little R&R. &R. He's just taking a little extra time. I'm sure he's hanging out by the beach, you know, just having fun, but he'll, he'll make his way back. Don't worry. So they finally get the boy to sleep in the Ritz calls and they found Joshy. He was in the laundry and they've now given Joshy over to loss prevention uh, to make sure he gets back with his, with his family. And the, the father says, hey, you know, I appreciate you sending that back, but could you do me a favor? Could you maybe take some pictures of Joshy, like, you know, hanging out at the, on a lounge chair, um, you know, just so my story holds water later that he was, he was really having fun the whole time. He just you know, it wasn't, it wasn't a major uh, issue for him to stick around for a little bit longer. So they get a story, they get a, a package a couple of days and the kids rip it open. Of course, Joshie's there. So they're, that's all they care about. But there's a storybook left behind for the husband and wife and they open it up and there's Joshie. Again, a, a picture of him in a lounge chase by the pool but then they've also got pictures of him driving a golf cart and they've got pictures of him getting a massage with the limes on his, his eyes. Uh, they've got pictures of him uh, with loss prevention, checking all of the monitors to make sure everybody's safe and sound. And um, they were just absolutely blown away that these, these guys would, I mean, all they asked for was Joshy in one picture. Well, they, they went above and beyond. And so it turns out this guy writes for the Huffington Post. And he, of course, writes about this situation or the story, and it's become it's become legend. Um, but the, the idea again behind it is what would make these guys, these loss prevention guys and laundry people and at the Ritz, why would they go to all that trouble? I mean, they really didn't have to. Well, it's because it's in their DNA. It's because they understand the bigger picture of the Ritz-Carlton is to create these amazing, unforgettable experiences. So that's just one story. There's tons of others. I've got personal stories too, I could tell, but um, that's one that I, I like to talk about. I think it's so meaningful. In a competitive market, does your customer service stand out from the crowd? One way to offer a better experience is by moving your contact center to the cloud. But with so many options to choose from, how do you know which solution is the best for both your business and your customers? That's where VDS comes in and guides you to the best solution. They understand your clients' pain points, business outcomes, and goals. Then VDS designs, implements, supports, and provides 24-7 managed services. From start to finish, VDS is committed to finding the best solutions for your clients' needs. To learn more, go to www.govds.com or find a link in the show notes. Yeah, I, I have heard of, I didn't know that the draft was named Joshy, didn't go into that much detail, but I, 
I did hear of the detail that the Ritz Carlton puts into it. And that's just one story. I mean, there's, there's gotta be a thousand or 5,000 more that people don't share. Yeah. And the thing is, Nick, they're not always big stories either. You know, that we find out or they find out, I still say we, because it's like, I'm still with them. You know, that it's, we it's find, still in your DNA. Yeah. I mean, we find out that, you know, someone has is um, is on work and is going to be without their family for a long period of time. Well, the, the Ritz will go out of their way to get a picture of their family, put it in a frame. And when they get into their room, they check in and there's a picture of their family. They obviously are going to miss a whole lot. Just little stuff like that. Um, it goes mm. it really goes a long way. So bringing it to you personally. What is the best service that you've ever received? You know, that's a really, that's a really tough question. And and I ask that question a lot when I'm speaking. And if you reverse that and you ask, what's the worst experience, the hands go up. I mean, like everybody's got one, but the good ones are so rare. It's, it's, uh, there's not a lot of them that can be told. You know, I don't know. I would say I'm a big fan of Disney too. And so I've had a couple of, and I, and I didn't go knowing anybody, you know, I just went, you know, cold Turkey. What's the experience going to be like? And, and this was five, 10 years ago, but they delivered, I mean, they really delivered, um, you know, everything from the unseen, you know, uh, or, or the scene, everything that's seen is clean. It's, it's, uh, it's beautiful. They, they, uh, they address all of the senses, what you smell, what you see, of course, what you taste, what you hear. Um, and my kids were younger at that time frame, at that time period. And um, it was just a wonderful experience from, you know, Mickey and Minnie and the way that they acted and, you know, were engaged uh, to even the negative stuff at Disney, right? So we think about standing in line. I mean, that's like, when you think of Disney, that's one of the negative things, but they really, you know, with, with innovation and the, I don't know what it's called, but the jump in line thing that they've got. Um, but they, all these distractions, you know, the, the TV monitors and they got, you know, cold air blowing and, uh, you know, here comes, here comes Donald duck, you know, to kind of distract and, um, that they are the one, you know, uh, one company, uh, and there's some others, um, but that's one that I feel like, in my experience, has lived up to the, to all the hype from a service perspective. Yeah, and it's one that people know well, and it's amazing. I've interviewed a few people from Disney, and it's amazing the things that you don't know about that happens behind the scenes. And just like the Ritz Carlton, it's all of these little things that one person has complained about, or maybe one employee has noticed and they implement that as this is the process and procedure that we're going to do now moving forward, because it's going to make our customers or our members or our employees that much better. Yeah. And that's the cool thing is like, sometimes it's so subtle the things you see and the things that you're hearing, you may not even, it may not even register, you know, but you walk out of there and you're like, gosh, that was, I don't know. I don't, I can't really put my finger on it exactly. There was no like uh, epiphany, an un- unbelievable thing had happened. It was just like, it just really flowed smoothly. And that's the way service is meant to be. You know, it can't always be, uh, you know, the, this big kind of event. 
um, it's delivering consistently every, every time. So, yeah. So bringing it back to your book, uh, there's this guy, not sure if anybody knows him. His name is, uh, Michael Jordan. He, he actually played for UNC. Um, and it says, why is it important? It talks about the importance of treating your customers like they would Michael Jordan. So hmm. tell me more about that. Yeah, so actually, this was a story I told in the book, and I go to a North Point church, which uh, if people are churchgoers, that's a, it, I don't like calling it a mega church, but it's a huge church in the Atlanta area, and um, I was part of, and still are, a part of a volunteer team that helps park people, so we, it, the, the parking lot's so big, you gotta, it's sort of like Disney, you gotta, you gotta park people. And they've got other, obviously, other volunteers that help with uh, the, the young children, uh, that greet and that sort of thing. And the guy that led it, led the volunteer group at that time, um, was giving the announcements right before we were to go out. And he said, "Oh, and by the way, I just want to let you guys know the word is that Michael Jordan is is probably going to be here today." And of course, you know, people had been kind of chatting to the side, and everybody like jumps to attention, you know, and. He's like, you know, we obviously need to make sure that his experience is fantastic. And so everybody's getting hyped up. And he says, oh, by the way, I was just kidding about that. Michael Jordan, I have no information that would lead me to believe Michael Jordan's uh, coming today. But my point is, the way that you would have treated him is the way that you should treat everybody that walks in the door today. There should be no difference um, because that's what we're here to do. We're here to serve. Um, and when you think about it, you know, whether it's a church or a nonprofit, um, service still is service. Um, and people want to feel like they're more than a number. And so I, I just love that story because, yeah, if it was the president or if it was a, you know, a, a Hollywood movie star or a, a sports star like Michael, we'd go out of our way to provide that world class service. Well, we should really do that for everybody. And we can. So um, that's where that came from. Yeah, I like it too, because I, it really resonates with me in the customer service, the contact center space. So treating everybody as if you're wanting to create that first impression and making it seem like, hey, I may be talking to Jamie right now, and it's just another person, another guy, another number, and another call I have to take or another chat or interaction. But if they were talking to Michael Jordan, that would be a different interaction. Uh, Dan Gingas, actually, funny story. He delivered pizza in Chicago back when he played, Michael Jordan played for the Bulls. And Dan Gingas delivered pizza twice to Michael Jordan. And <clears throat> you could either get a signature from him or you get a really big tip. <laughs> and, and he's like, uh, but, you know, it goes back to it. Everybody wanted to deliver that pizza to Michael Jordan. So how can you do that? Uh, it doesn't matter if you're Domino's or somebody else. How do you deliver, wanting to deliver and, and people step up and pay attention to deliver that experience that you would want to deliver to Michael Jordan? I, I just love that analogy and keeping that on the back of your head at all times. Yeah. And uh, I was talking about North Point earlier. One thing that Andy Stanley, who's written oh, so many books, he's a, a fantastic pastor too. But one of the things that he says that resonates with me is do for one what you wish you could do for all do for all, you know, and, and sometimes we think, well, you know, I, why would I do that for one person when I can't do it for everyone? Well, you know, if, if you can change a life through customer service with a few people, uh, 
don't not do that just because you can't do it for everybody. Um, it's better to change one life than no lives. So um, I really like that. Yeah, it's it reminds me of the the story of the girl that is um, I, I'm gonna totally botch the story, but it's the girl on the beach who's throwing all the shells that have the conks into the back end of the water. And she's like, the mom's like, what are you doing? She's like, well, I'm going to throw all the conks back into the water. She's like, well, you can't save everyone. She picks one up, throws it into the water. And she's like, well, I can save that one. She picks another one up, throws it into the water and says, I can save that one. So yep. I, I love, I love that because you can help and the difference that you can help in that person's life uh, can not necessarily life and death like the, like the beach story, but it is impacting customers and members more than you know. That's right. Absolutely. Absolutely. So bringing it back to the service side, how do you, how do you keep customers or how do you keep your employees accountable to the service you want them to deliver? Because the problem that I see back into the customer service side, there's the worst, the worst thing that you can do is uh, micromanage somebody and say, Hey, I'm going to screen record. So your camera, I can see what you're doing and, and, and where you're clicking because I I'm not sure what you're doing. But that that's not a great experience. So mm -hmm. how do you keep your employees accountable to the service that you want them to deliver or that you would expect to deliver if you were on, on that phone call? Yeah. So in my book, I talk a lot about uh, this concept of reward and accountability. They're actually two sides of the same coin, right? So um, no one wants to, no one with, uh, with a desire to continuously get better would not want to be held accountable because we know that's the only way we're going to get better. You know, as much as we like to think we drive ourselves, it's other people that really drive us. And so that accountability, everyone wants to know what the scoreboard is. And there's nothing more demoralizing than to not know what winning looks like. And so with accountability and establishing goals and objectives, at the end of the day, you know uh, whether you're winning or not. So accountability gets a really bad rap, right? It's people think of it as, uh, you know, kind of fire and brimstone, uh, old style coaching or old style uh, managing or bossing. Um, but you've got to roll in recognition too, because recognition without accountability is hollow, right? I mean, if you're just recognizing me for no reason, um, I mean, that's, I mean, it's okay, I guess, but I don't, I don't know what to do to get it again. I don't know how to repeat it. And so I, in order to hold somebody accountable and to recognize them, you have to know them. You have to get to know them. And I think as bosses, sometimes we forget that. But coaches, on the other hand, know that in order to maximize the potential of their people, they've got to continually uh, communicate with them. They've got to understand what makes them tick. And so they, they meet with them and they coach them, not because they have to, but because they want to. It's the best thing for the employee, but you're also, at the end of the day, it's best for the customer, too, because I know what good looks like, uh, and I want to do it because I know that um, there are recognition components, but I also know that I'm making an impact and the potential, to, depending on the issue, to change a life. So I think, uh, I think reward and accountability are hard to separate. You really need both of them in proper balance. Um, 
to get your people to do what they would not normally do so that they can achieve what they would not normally achieve. Yeah, well said. So with the book in mind, the, the listener is like, man, should, should I get this book? Should I read this book? What, what, what am I, what, what's the benefit of it? Um, what do you hope if my listeners were to, to go and, and purchase this book, what do you hope that they get out of the book? Yeah. What they would get, I think, Nick, is the opportunity to to not just be mediocre or to create a mediocre organization. And, and by the way, I don't mean you have to be a CEO. You don't have to own the place. But if you are a leader, uh, it that means you have influence. And so you have the opportunity to craft and design the type of organization that I think any of us would want. One that is uh, inspiring to go to work to every day. Uh, one that we're, where we can be successful in meeting the needs of our customers. And heck, one, too, where we can, you know, financially make what we need to make to provide for our families and for our needs. And so this book is really, it, it's a, a playbook for, based upon my experiences of these are the things that you need to do, again, regardless of whether you're in the C-suite or not, these are the things that you can influence to create the type of culture that you can look back someday and say, you know what, that was bigger than me. That was, we accomplished stuff that we, that I would not have been able to do without uh, the backing and the inspiration and the passion of people around me. Um, and so the steps that I outline in the book are, are practical things to do in order to create that irresistible culture and a culture where your employees find you unleavable. That's, that's the point of the book. I love it. I love it. So Jamie, I wrap up every episode with two questions to my guest. And the first one is what book or person has influenced you the most in the past year? And then the second one is if you could leave a note to all customer service or customer experience professionals, it's going to hit everybody's desk Monday at 8am. What would it say? Okay, I'll take one at a time. You may have to remind me of the second one because it's I Friday will. afternoon. I might forget it. Um, so, you know, I would not to be uh, redundant, but I'd probably go back to Chip Bell. So I, again, wrote this book over the past, I don't know, 18 months, primarily over the pandemic. And uh, Chip Bell, who I'm sure, you know, your listeners know, he's been on the show before, uh, is just an amazing guy. So he, he um, helped me through the book writing process, uh, certainly shared a lot of ideas and stories around culture and customer service um, and is it, just a guy that I think so highly of and as you and I were talking about before just so down to earth so genuine um, so he's probably impacted me uh, as much or more than anybody else over the last year particularly as it relates to uh, from a professional sense and then the second one was writing a note right what would the note say yeah if you could leave a note to all customer service or customer experience professionals what would it say? Um, it, it's possible and it is advisable to find something that um, doesn't feel like just making a living, but it's bigger than that. It's possible to make a difference. And so figure out how to blend your individual purpose and your individual passion with that of the organization and cliche-ish, but you'll never have to work another day in your life. 
Good stuff. Jamie, what's the best way for my listeners to, to find you, to get a hold of you? You can reach me through uh, regular social media channels. I'm on uh, Facebook and uh, LinkedIn. Um, and you can uh, find out more about me and my book in, on my website, which is jamielutz.com. So that's my name spelled a little bit different. J-A-M-E-Y-L-U-T-Z. Jamie.jamielutz.com. Uh, so jamielutz.com. That's the best way to reach me. Jamie, thank you so much, man. I had a blast and uh, wish you nothing but success. Thanks so much, Nick. It was a pleasure being on today. Hey, listeners, can you think of one person who would benefit from the information you learned today? If so, please consider sharing it with them by giving them the link of this episode or directly from your app. And last, if you'd like to receive all the quotes and book recommendations from all my